0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. On the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning while it was still dark and saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb and we do not know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there, and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first. And he saw and believed, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Happy Easter! It is a great joy to celebrate Easter season. For us as Catholics, it's an important thing for us to be able to reflect upon the liturgical life of the church. The liturgy, as a mother often does, teaches us in so many ways. Not always necessarily by the things that we say, but sometimes by the things we do, or sometimes the things we don't do at all. Even these things could be teaching moments for us, her children. And I think it's important for us, even though we come here on that Sunday morning, the morning of the resurrection, to pause and to contemplate the things that happened on Holy Saturday. Because Holy Saturday is the means by which we come to understand and truly appreciate the gift of what it is that we celebrate here in this moment. There's an ancient homily from the early church fathers. We don't know exactly who it was composed by, but it has a wonderful account of the Lord and what he does on Saturday. It's an account of the Lord descending to the depths. We know that the Lord died and he descends into the abode of the dead, the place where the faithful have been waiting. And this homily continues and reflects and meditates on the fact of Christ coming to this great throng of people. People who of old had been waiting, had been faithful to the Lord, had repented of their sins during their life, and had been assured of salvation, but were waiting for the gates to open, waiting for the Christ to come. This great crowd is headed by one man, the first man, Adam. Christ comes to him holding the sign of the cross, and he holds it up. And Adam, in faith, speaks to every one of his ancestors, and he says, may the Lord be with you all. And Christ responds to him and with your spirit. What begins then is a wonderful exchange as Christ speaks of the things that Adam had done that led the people into sin, but how he himself has negated them. He says, from your side came forth the woman Eve, for mine on the cross came the church. Your hand that reached out to the tree of good and evil, of the knowledge of good and evil. My hand reached out to a tree as well that it was pierced on it, on the cross. It continues to recount these various ways that Christ has perfected the faults of Adam. And not just Adam, but the whole of this crowd that is waiting. And after recounting these many ways, Adam is, of course, convicted in faith, longing for that salvation which has been assured of him for centuries. And the Lord looks at him and he loves him and he says, Adam, I am in you and you are in me. We are inseparable. Enter into your reward. And with that, Adam, after centuries of waiting, enters the joy of the kingdom of heaven. He's been longing for it, and many others with him. And they are assured that Christ has come, and the end of their waiting is soon to come. Soon they will pass through those gates for joy of eternity. Consider the disciples who, after Jesus had been crucified, all scattered. John alone was found at the foot of the cross, but the other ten ran back to the upper room, the last place that they had presumably left their things after the Last Supper the night before. They go back and they're locked up for fear, for fear of what might happen to them. They saw what just happened to their leader, or at least they heard about it. He was scourged, beaten, mocked, killed by this crowd that he loved. What's going to happen to us? I'm not going outside. Peter himself already was was hesitant to acknowledge anything about Jesus before his in the, in the midst of his passion, three times it says he says, "You're a Galilean too." He says, "Nope, not me. I don't even know the man." Fear. What will they do to me? And so they remained locked in the upper room. Private revelation, revelation to holy people of faith in the life of the church, suggests that Mary herself, not out of fear, but out of longing, out of remembering, did go out. In fact, she clothed herself and went out to the same spots that she had walked with her son the day before, stopping at each of the places where he was condemned where he was scourged, where he fell, where he was mocked, where she met him, where he was crucified. And there she bent down and kissed the ground. A mother remembering what had happened to her son just the day before. In shock and sorrow. Understanding very little of what took place. That's the setting of the resurrection. Longing, fear, sorrow. When Mary Magdalene shows up at the door after going out to be able to continue and to finish up the burial rites after the Holy Day, they weren't permitted to do anything on the Holy Day. So they go out on, on Sunday when the Sabbath is completed. And they go out with the herbs to be able to anoint the body, to finish up what was rightly given to Christ. And he's not there. They run back. Peter and John run back the other direction to the tomb. And it says that John, the unnamed disciple here, when he enters, he sees the cloths and he believes. The other disciples, too, whenever the Lord comes to them, he appears to them in the upper room, in that same place where they are bound in their fear. He comes to them and he does not judge them. He does not shame them. He does not say, you should have been there. Rather, he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. He knows their hearts. Peace. Peace. Imagine the exhilaration that took place in the heart of Peter, of John, of Mary, of Adam and Eve, all those waiting. When the Christ came to them, raised up victorious over death, the hearts that were full of fear now became hearts that were filled with faith and boldness. Mary's heart of sorrow became a heart of exaltation. And the people of longing, Look upon the great light that is the face of God. This is what Easter is about. It's about the reality that Christ conquers all of these things in himself by his resurrection from the dead. And the good news, brothers and sisters, is that Christ is still alive. And he is still raising us up. It's not a story as if it was told long ago and it just kind of happened at that time and Jesus was there with them for a little while and he's off and he's gone. He's kind of up in heaven. He's doing his thing up there and occasionally kind of maybe prays for us a little bit. No, the Lord is actively continuing in this moment and in every single moment looking upon us just as he looked at his disciples, just as he looked at his mother, just as he looked at Adam and Eve and the faithful who are longing. And he looks upon us and he wants to transform our darkness. To take our fears and immerse them in his resurrection to take our longing and to immerse them in his resurrection to take our sorrows and immerse them in his resurrection that they too might become new life the Lord is still alive this is important for us to recognize the Lord is still at work in you and me. Every one of us, when we come to the grace of the resurrection, when we see God in His resurrection, we see the Lord raised up, when we come to celebrate this great feast and we sing the Alleluia and we sing the glory, these praises that have been withheld from our tongue for some seven, six weeks or so now, it's a rejoicing that happens also in us. To be able to say, Happy Easter, is a joy. Even if we can't explain it, something happens in our heart where it comes alive. New life springs up in us. Just by the simple proclamation and greeting of Happy Easter. It's a sign that the Lord is alive and is still working in our hearts. And there are two responses to the human heart that this recognition deserves. Gratitude first. Gratitude that the Lord has done all of this for me. For you. Every one of you. It's been said that if only one human person ever lived after Christ, if only one, ever, one person had ever lived at all, and they fell in sin, that Christ still would have undergone all of those things. He still would have endured any torment necessary to save the one. The one Lamb. This is his love for us. And our hearts are filled with gratitude. Thanking the Lord for this gift that I could never deserve. None of us ever deserve this. But the Lord gives it, and he gives it freely, and he gives it generously. He longs for us to receive it. Gratitude. At the last supper, after the Lord washed the feet of his disciples, he looked at them and he said, Do you understand what I have done for you? Do you understand do you see the grace I've given you it's an important thing for us to see for us to know what Christ has done for us personally what has Christ done for me how is my life different today because of the person of Jesus Christ that's the reality of what we celebrate here. It's the recognition that our lives are different because of Christ to rejoice in this grace and if we don't understand if we don't see it if we don't understand it just as the disciples didn't exactly understand what Jesus had done for them pray for the grace Lord help me to see help me to understand show me show me the second thing that the human heart responds to the Lord we pray is a resolution to stay close to him and this can be a difficult task. To stay close to the Lord. Just as Adam and, and Adam and our Lord, the Lord says, I am in you and you are in me. We are inseparable. Adam had run his race. His fight was finished. And he was ready to enter the finish line and cross over into his reward. But for us, the Lord longs to be separate, inseparable with us as well. But it depends upon our willingness to stay close to Him. Our willingness to remain with Him. To pray with Him. To worship Him. I would suggest to you that the place, par excellence, where we can come and stay close to Christ is here at Holy Mass. It seems easy for us to let Sunday Mass become something of a, uh, a routine, a rhythm, just a normal part of our life. It's not necessarily an exciting thing every week, admittedly, it's not as if we have fireworks at every celebration. Certainly we have, you know, special feasts throughout the year where we have, uh, you know, particular things that we do that kind of throw off the, off the rhythm and throw off the routine to kind of shake us a little bit. But more often than not, a regular Sunday is a regular Sunday. We come, we hear the same, you know, hear the same prayers, we say the same things. The readings change a bit, but, you know, the, you know for the most part, what we come and experience is more or less the same, 90% the same every week, week after week after week. And it can be easy for us to simply look at that and go, Why why should I commit to that? Why should I commit to the thing that's just the same over and again? I mean, it's it's nothing new. I can I can worship my God in and you know in spontaneity. I can I can do different things, I can spice it up, I can do you know, whatever. But the Lord comes to us and he invites us to come here to the ordinariness of life. Because the ordinariness of life is where our relationships are truly built. In your family life, the foundation of your family is probably not built off of one Disney trip or one vacation to the beach or one really great birthday party. Your family life is built on cooking a meal together, sitting down for dinner together, of the trek to school, the trek to work, the ordinary things of daily life, cutting the grass, cleaning the kitchen, taking care of the cat or the dog, ordinary things. But that ordinary stuff is the foundation of the relationship that you have with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with anyone else that you're related to, These relationships happen in ordinary ways. They have the occasional Disney trip. They have the occasional wonderful vacation or great family day together. But more often than not, it's normal family life. And it is good and it is holy. And that's what Christ brings us here. His ordinary family life. Week after week we have the opportunity to come and to sit with him to be in his presence to listen to him speak to us and for us to speak to him how easy it is for us to sit and to talk with a friend about what's happening did you hear so and so you know so and so sick or this happened to this this person or that family really needs they're really going through some stuff they really need some prayers how easy it is for to, for us to speak to another person about the things that are happening in the world around us and this is all that Christ desires to hear of us For us to come to say, Lord, this happened, and then they can use your help. They can use your grace. Strengthen them. Be with them, Lord. To speak from the heart. To come to recognize them, to see in the Blessed Sacrament the face of God. To know that he's here. And he wants to be here. He wants to listen to us. He died so he could listen to us. For all eternity. And this is the gift of Easter. Recognize in the resurrection of Christ that he is raised up, that he continues to be with us, for which we are grateful, for which we simply need to be with him. To let him love us, to let ourselves love him, to spend time with him, to speak to him and to be spoken to by him. This is the grace of the resurrection, that we too, when the Lord calls us to himself, when the Lord comes and he claims us on the last day of our earthly life, he too will look upon us and he will look at us just in the same way he looked at Adam, with joy in his heart and with longing in his face, and he will say, I am in you and you are in me. We are inseparable.